thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, being here and talking about this topic. Um, you know, I I love talking to. Uh, I like to call them emerging filmmakers and uh, really anyone who's emerging in their career. Um, and so I feel like if I talk about how I experience things throughout my career, I can hopefully, you know, teach other people or other people can learn from that, how I got to where I got. And so hopefully they can, they can do the same. Um, well, I haven't heard anyone, no one's referenced Hallmark in quite some time. So that's going way back. Uh, but you know, it's, it, I'm glad that you did actually, because I did work for Hallmark cards and I, I worked for the corporation. Um, I actually worked for a, a family owned business, uh, at Hallmark and then transitioned to corporate after that. Uh, but working for corporate, like I, I loved Hallmark. It was a great company. Um, and, uh, it, it kind of shows you though, that like that was, that was over 25 years ago. So that was a long time ago. So anyone who's looking to kind of create a career overnight doesn't always happen yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like maybe if you're a Bitcoin millionaire, you know, like then, <laughs> then you can wake up the next morning and all of a sudden have millions of dollars of Bitcoin and then you got to sell it and then you got to remember your password and all that fun stuff. But like, traditionally, most people don't, you know, one day they're nothing, you know, they're straight out of university and the next day they're an executive. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's yeah. years and years of hard work. Um, I found, you know, although earlier in my career, I didn't embrace this as, as much as I do now. I learned something from everyone. You, you learn something from everyone you come in contact with, whether they're a subordinate or, or whether you report to them, um, you can learn something from everyone. And so to answer your question, like, Hallmark was a very long time ago. I loved working for that company, um, but it wasn't what I wanted to do, right? Um, I wanted to be in, in the movie business and I wanted to ultimately make movies. Um, but, you know, I, I took a 25 year kind of detour getting to become a producer. Uh, and everything I learned along the way, I incorporate into my daily life. Um, you know, so I learned a lot about marketing at Hallmark. Um, when I worked at Hallmark, they were kind of, bar none, the best at television commercials. And everyone sort of universally recognized it. In fact, I would even say that the, the, the current Google spots that are running on TV that show sort of this family unit or this, you know, there's all these different ones. They have a whole bunch of them. Those all rooted in, you know, when you care enough to send the very best, which was Hallmark slogan when I was working there. And they, you know, back then TV spots didn't do that. TV spots didn't tell stories like that. Um, and Hallmark was the first one to do it. And now all like, you know, most storytelling television spots kind of model that Hallmark model. Um, and so it's, it's really great to see, like, I, I was watching the Google television commercials the other day, started tearing up and I was like, why is this getting me so much? And I'm like, oh, they're pulling on my emotional heartstrings on purpose, but now I'm remembering their product and it's really good storytelling. And I was like, this is, this started with Hallmark, you know, a long time ago. Um, so I didn't, you know, Hallmark ultimately wasn't fulfilling for me personally, mm -hmm. uh, even though it was a great company to work for. And so I transitioned from Hallmark to AMC. Uh, and I worked at AMC, which was, you know, kind of the peripheral on the, on the entertainment industry, uh, working in motion picture exhibition. Um, I started off in operations and uh, was lucky enough to, uh, to ultimately get into some marketing 
at AMC, won a couple of, of awards working on some, some movies at, at Disney and Warner Brothers and Paramount. Um, and so started to get noticed by some of the studios by, by doing these marketing programs. Yeah. Um, and then uh, ultimately, I got put at a theater, which was sort of the first megaplex, um, the first multi-screen complex that had, you know, it was the first one to have 24 screens. Uh, and you don't see those, those big theaters anymore, but at the time it was, it was in vogue and it was the thing to do. Um, you know, now sort of the neighborhood theaters are back, you know, the six to eight to 12 screen complexes, but at the time, 20, 24 screens was a big deal. And so all of the studios came to tour, um, this complex and I took all the studios on tour, you know, cause I was the marketing manager, um, except for universal. Universal Pictures came by on my day off. So I didn't actually get to, to take the Universal executives on tour. And it was, it was, it was uh, ironic because like a month later, someone from Universal reached out to me and said, hey, you'd be really good for this job we have. It's entry level. You should apply for it because you, you have exhibition background. You have a marketing background. Um, you should do it. So I did. And then when I ultimately accepted the job and went in to tell my boss at AMC that I was quitting, he was like, oh, you got the you got this job because you took everybody on a tour of, of our facilities. Like, that's like cheating. And I was like, I, did, I swear I didn't talk to the Universal people. They didn't come by. Uh, on, I was on my day off and he, he actually checked the schedule. He's like, you're right. He's like, you know what? He's like, I actually think I took the Universal people on the tour. Um, so it was kind of this funny thing that I sort of lucked into this position at Universal um, you know, had some experience, but, but, you know, that launched the, the next 20 years of my career. Um, and at Universal, I kind of found my way, I think, um, I found a way to, to kind of leverage my love of movies and my desire to, to market, um, and, and put those together and, and started off in, in, in theater marketing and sort of rose through the ranks of that, that uh, department and ultimately to um, like second in charge of that division um, and, and liaison, liaisoned a lot with the creative side of marketing, uh, you know, actually getting involved in the campaigns for movies with a lot of other department heads and division heads and, and kind of help them put together strategies for, you know, big hundred, 200, $300 million movies um, that ultimately went on to do a lot of business at the box office. Um, to date, I've worked on not all at Universal. Some of them were focused titles I got involved in, or, or some of them were non-Universal titles that I got involved in. Uh, or, or I even count my shorts as 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 uh, one of the movies that I've worked on. Um, I've worked on over 375 movies throughout my you know 30-year career um, in different respects. Uh, more than 100 of those as an executive, as a senior executive. So my stamp is kind of on some of the more recent movies um, that I that I worked on. So yeah. hopefully that, that answers the question. Yes, absolutely, it answers the question. Now talking about the movies, because you have mentioned it, I think everybody wants to know, because it's a question. I think many people, many students in the university, they ask that question, like, what is the most important skill when you want to produce, well, to have, like to produce in something like a film, a theater, uh, a television series, and also about the budget. How do you, I mean, how can you control the budget? Or how can you, what is the first step to secure the financing of a film and not to, like, how we have this budget, but we can't, like, 
this is the budget and this is it. But how is it? How is the process of it? Yeah, it's it's complex to be honest. And and um, I work with a lot of line producers right now at, at Cardinal Trio. I'm working on three to four movies and then I, I do independent producing outside of Cardinal Trio and I'm working on a, another three uh, movies, possibly, possibly getting ready to sign one more. Um, so that's like six to eight movies that are, that are on my slate. Uh, you know, if you will, um, although it's not a traditional slate from like one company, but from multiple companies, um, all of those kind of emerging from me working with the Cardinal Trio team um, and so at Cardinal Trio, we have like three partners and I'm definitely the marketing and distribution expert. We have a physical production expert, Nick Sherma, and we have a creative expert, Chazen Parker. Now budgeting comes under the physical production side of the business. Um, and so I'm definitely involved in the budgeting process. I definitely, you know, go through film budgets line item by line item. Um, sometimes it takes hours to do that. Um, yeah. And you have to make sure everything that you're going to need for the shoot is accounted for. And, and that includes stuff like people forget about stuff like PR, you know, public relations or publicity. People forget to include in their budgets any kind of money for distribution. Uh, you know, not not that you'd have to self-distribute, so you wouldn't need you know millions of dollars in your your budget for distribution. But any any even having any amount of money for like you know creating you know, uh, digital prints, uh, DCPs, or, you know, setting aside money for screening the movie when you ultimately want to screen it. Um, you know, say, say you don't go the film festival route, say you're going to screen it for executives at, at different releasing entities or different studios. Um, you have to have money for all of that. So you have to budget for all of that stuff. Um, and it's hard to, to, I mean, it's, it's an arduous process. You have to sit down and there, there are programs um, none are coming to, to mind right now, but like there are programs you can buy that are specific for, you know, motion picture budgeting. Um, okay. and they'll, they'll kind of walk you through it. Uh, but you know, ultimately most of the, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So you have to put most of the money into the physical production of the movie. Um, and you know, talent takes up a big chunk of that. Um, obviously you have to have a good script and you have to be prepared to pay the writer or pay for rewrites. Um, you know, you have to pay all of the above the line people. Um, and, and then all the, the many, many people that work below the line. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how educated some of your, your listeners are, but like the line producer is kind of the cutoff for that. And the line producer is usually the one who puts together the budget, um, with okay. the above the line folks. Um, so, you know, like below the line, you have, you have things on the budget for like, you know, day rates for extras, you know, like if you're going to have ex extras in your movie, say you have four extras in your movie, you're going to need, you're going to need those extras for four days and they get paid a hundred dollars a day. I'm just kind of generalizing, but this is something that's a very specific line item and you have to account for, if it's a union shoot, you have to make sure that they get their breaks and you have to make sure that they get food and, and water and stuff during the day. Um, so like all of that has to be budgeted and all of that has to be in the motion picture budget for the movie. Um, and it's stuff that you have to go through, you know, just line item by line item and make sure that it's all accounted for. 
Wow. So is it like a long process? And I mean, every single piece you have to put on the budget so you can make sure the budget is fulfilled and you don't surpass the budget for extra little bit of money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a lot of producers um, and even directors sometimes will, will be very budget conscious and make sure that you don't go over budget. Um, and, and the best way to, to not go over budget is to sit down and spend hours and hours oh, yeah. making sure that everything's in the budget. So like if you take the budget, you know, say you're working for a production company and they want to know what the budget is. Um, you know, so often I've had people submit budgets and they're like, oh, well, you know, my movie's $1 million, um, but I want Christian Bale or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> do you know Christian Bale? No. Uh, do you know what his day rate is? No. Have you made an offer to Christian Bale's agent? No. Okay. Cause like, that's the kind of stuff that people don't necessarily know about mm. is that unless, unless, you know, and I, I'm not picking on Christian Bale cause I actually love his work, but like, unless he knows you or he knows this script is really good. Um, chances are he's not going to do it for, you know, scale. Uh, and, and so you're going to have to find a way to attract at least one recognizable name to your project um, wow. to, to get, to get interest in it, quite frankly, um, unless you're you, making like a super independent feature. And for example, the, those people that are very, like very beginners in making the movies, how they can, how, how is the pitching format so they can pitch to the executives and they go, yeah, this is my idea. This is my script. But how, what is the extra mile that they have to put in so they can finance the movie that they want to be financed? Um, financing is, is, is a challenge. And it's something that I deal with on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'm working on six, seven movies. I don't have full funding raised for a single one of those movies yet. Um, there, there, are, there are tax incentives and or tax credits Um, and like, I happen to know right now that the Canary Islands, which is mm. Portuguese or Spanish. Uh, I think I, I never remember. <laughs> I know it's off the coast of both. <laughs> so, um, the Canary Islands are offering a very lucrative tax credit right now. So like they're trying to get people there. Um, never been had, had friends go there and, and seen pictures and it's a beautiful place, especially if you go, you know, when it's, when it's in season, if you will. Um, but like, I would love to shoot a movie there and they have very good, um, tax rebates there. So, you know, and, and this is just generically explaining it so that, that everyone that's listening can understand, like if you have a million dollar, uh, movie and you work it out with the Canary Islands film offices that you're going to shoot it there and they're going to give you an incentive and I'm just making up the incentive, but it, it, they have lucrative ones. Say it's 50%. You have $500,000 that you're instantly going to get back once you make this movie, once you spend that money there. Mm -hmm. And so that's really good when you're showing investors like, Hey, I'm already going to get, you know, 50% of my money back. And, and tax credits vary in the United States there, you know, they're as low as five, 10% to as high as 35, 40%. Um, a 50% tax credit is really big. Um, there's not a lot of places I've heard that offer those. Um, but, you know, right now in the United States, places like Georgia and Atlanta and other cities in Georgia are offering, you know, 30 to 40% rebates. And that's really good. That, that you, it's hard to ignore that. And if, if it creatively makes sense to shoot your movie 
in Georgia or the Canary Islands or anywhere else that's offering these great tax incentives, you can go back to your investors and you can say, you're automatically going to recoup 30, 40, 50% of your money. Um, so that's, that's a really strong the reality point. of the yeah. industry. And what is the, what is crowdfunding? Maybe many people have heard of it because, um, I think there's a, it's another way to get money to finance your movie or what is it called? Sorry. crowdfunding. Oh yeah. Crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, I did crowdfunding on a movie that I already made. Um, I didn't do it personally, but the project did. And I think we raised at least half of our budget from crowdfunding. Um, crowdfunding is tricky because if, if you are, if you're like a social influencer, or you, you have a lot of people that follow you, it's easier than if you don't. Um, and so like, otherwise you have to create a groundswell. And so creating a groundswell organically is kind of difficult, you know, um, but always lead with video, like, Video is the best, right? Like people will watch videos, you know, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or, you know, whatever it is, if you make a compelling short video, um, honestly, I would say 30 seconds, no longer than two minutes. Anyone whose video who runs more than two minutes, I, I don't care how good it is. You start to lose interest of the, the, um, the viewer. And especially if someone's looking to invest money or to just give you money through crowdfunding and in, in hopes of getting like a, a tchotchke or something in return or a piece of the project, like a movie poster or, you know, a Blu-ray or whatever, um, you, you have to give them a reason, a compelling reason. And so like, you know, if you're making a documentary, let's pick on the Canary Islands again, <laughs> about the Canary <laughs> Islands and you're getting this tax incentive and you go and you create this video and you're like, Hey everybody, I'm making this really compelling video about, you know, a documentary about um, sharks that live off the Canary Islands or whatever. You know, whatever your story is, if you have a video and you test, like, you know, even if it's just like 30 seconds to a minute worth of footage of what that movie is going to ultimately look like, then you should be able to, you know, at least push the the rock up the hill one one roll towards getting that groundswell of people interested in giving you money for the project. Um, I will say though, unless you have just like hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, which is really hard because then, you, then you're talking about being a social influencer. It's hard to raise a lot of money on crowdfunding. Like it's a great tool to use for doing a short or even doing an ultra low budget feature, you know, like something that's $500,000 or less. Um, because it just like at a certain point on crowdfunding, it doesn't matter how many people you reach, you just aren't going to be able to raise like $20 million. You know, it just, it just isn't practical. Um, oh, wow. unless you're famous already, you know, cause yeah. I've heard, I've heard of a lot of scenarios where people who have made movies before or actors who have been in movies and want to become a filmmaker, they go to crowdfunding, but they also can push a button and reach all of their followers at once. And so like you have kind of this captive audience who wants to see your stuff anyway. So of course they're going to donate money to see what you're going to make. Um, there's other, other platforms. Um, I, I work with the guys over at Slated. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Slated, but Slated is like a film finance and distribution platform. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's things like stage 32 that are out there. Um, there's, there's a few of those types of sites where you can go 
um, and put your project up on their site and list it. And then if you, if you go through certain criteria with them, your, um, your project in the script stage is open to all of their potential investors. Um, and most of those kinds of sites deal with accredited investors, although st- stage 32 is more like a social network. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people out there that are in the business. And I've heard, you know, dozens of stories where people use that platform to like make like a short movie or like a really, really super indie movie. Um, and Slated, I've heard of tons of scenarios where people will make like, you know, full length, feature length, independent fe- movies that that ultimately get distribution through a company that you've heard of. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, I call them reputable releasing entities. <laughs> yes, I, I mentioned it because there's a series. I don't know if you have heard of it, The Chosen. It's a Christian series, and they are they are doing it by crowdfunding. And I've been searching for it as well, the crowdfunding, how it is it, how you can work with it. It's not easy, but I think it's not also impossible. But I mean, it's really hard. It's a really hard journey, but I think it's not that impossible to begin generating the influencer being be like a, a community and then you begin to grow the community and then you begin you can go and go and, and make the film so yeah i have seen yeah, nothing that. i i should say because sometimes i have a, i have a tendency and 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 my my partners and friends will tell me this i i come across as maybe too practical um but i like to answer people's questions honestly and and, and yeah. let them know the challenges ahead but you're absolutely right nothing is impossible and crowdfunding is a good way to kind of get your foot in the door. Like if you can yeah. make a low budget movie through crowdfunding and if you're super talented, you know, I also like to say the marketplace will decide everything for you. Yeah, you yeah make, that's it, true. It does. It just does. Like it's I was true. at a film festival last month and I was talking about the marketplace, the marketplace. And, you know, at first I think people were like, oh, he sounds like, you know, a skipping CD. But the truth is, is the marketplace will tell you like, if your first movie is really bad, the marketplace will tell you. Like, yeah. you know, they will tell you, like, if you post it on Vimeo or whatever, and a bunch of people are like, this sucks. Like, they're, then they're telling you. Like, yeah. it's not that they're misunderstanding your art. It's that your art isn't reaching the audience the way you intended it to. Exactly. So, you know, like, but nothing is impossible. So, like, crowdfunding is a great way to kick off your, your first project. Um, and yeah. if you make if you make a good project, then that's a great you know, um, portfolio for you to get in the door in other places. So I, I, nothing I say is meant to discourage. It's only meant to educate and, and influence. Yeah. No, it's important that everybody knows how it is, how hard it is. Also, they like the dark side, the light side and the dark <laughs> side. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. How is the global demand nowadays, the film and television streaming industry? Because now we are in the streaming industry era. What are the new opportunities out there for the for this kind of era in the streaming? And what are the new things that are coming up in the coming years? What are your predictions? Yeah, so um, prior to COVID, I, I think the streaming wars were, were, were going to last a long time and who knows what the outcome was going to be. Um, but because of COVID, COVID has influenced so many things globally, uh, especially in business. Um, and I think COVID kind of accelerated the fact that everybody needs to get used to the, the, the reality that streaming is here to stay. 
Um, you know, it, it, it probably always was, um, but now it, I think it's definitive and there's no problem with that because for, for content creators, it's another avenue for your, your prod product to be, you know, it's, it's another marketplace. And like I was saying, the marketplace dictates everything. So like, you know, like you, you, you have all these new avenues now where you can get your, your project, um, sold. Um, and ultimately viewed, you know, which is hopefully what you're, you're in this for, you know, it's, it's a crossroads of art and commerce. I mean, if you're just in it for art, artistic stuff, you know, then take your movies to film festivals and, and do that. Um, but ultimately I, I feel like everyone's kind of climbing a ladder. So like, you know, being artistic and getting stuff in film festivals is kind of the lower rungs of the ladder. And as you get higher, it's, you know, it's more, the commerce side is more and more important because you get your money to make your next movie. Um, And so you have to be successful at that. Um, I think streaming is here to stay. And I do think that the streaming wars aren't over yet though. Um, And certainly the bigger studios have all kind of associated with or, created their own streaming services. And so those have a lot of power behind them, both financially and by content creation. You know, they have, they have access to like, you know, Peacock has all these, has all this access to content creators, you know, through their NBC network, through universal pictures, you know, same thing with, with HBO max and Warner brothers and, and, you know, Disney is, is a juggernaut in and of itself. Um, Although it's really hard. I think if you're an independent filmmaker, to do anything that will get Disney's attention, right? Because Disney kind of has their, their, their own. Um, business model and doesn't mean that if you if you don't make a super successful crowdfunded movie that, you know, the first time a Disney executive sees it and thinks, oh, this person would be great to make, you know, Marvel movie number 225, like, you know, then you're off and running. Uh, but like, it's, it's pretty unusual for someone to create an original piece of content or IP that Disney's going to be interested in. Um, Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's true. The market decides whether it's good a product or whether it's bad the product. That's the reality and that's true. That's, I think that's one point very important for artists that they they don't teach that in school because they always focus on the technical side and artistic side, but they don't teach how I can deal with money, how I can deal with budget, how I can deal with, the market, how I can know about marketing to market my movie. You know, all those all those things are very important. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be to create your own business or to be an independent filmmaker and make your own films. So that's very important to know. Well, yeah, like, you, you actually you just said something that that I like to try to get out there in, in every conversation I have. Um, and it's that I always ask emerging filmmakers when I first meet them and I first hear about their project, what is your marketing and distribution plan? Yes. Uh, or, or even as simple, it's even simpler than that. It's like, who is your audience? Mm-hmm. Like who is your audience for this movie? Cause if you can't answer those three questions, then you're not ready yet. Um, you know, when, when you're making your movie, you know, you, you can maybe discover who your audience is when you're making it, but when you set out to do it, you're making a movie for a specific audience. You know, if you're making a short that has one character in it and it's kind of this story of self-discovery and you're shooting it yourself with your iPhone or whatever, like you still need to know who the audience is, you know, you know, is it, 
Is it, uh, you know, suicide awareness people? Because then, then, you know, it's mental health awareness. Okay, that's your audience. That's who you need to market to. That's who you need to focus on. You know, you find film festivals that focus on that kind of stuff. Get your movie seen there. You know, like whatever it is, you need to know from day one when you're writing that script or when you finish that script, who is your audience? How are you going to market this movie? And who do you want to distribute it? You know, do you want it to go to film festivals? Do you want it to go to a releasing entity? Do you want it to go to a studio? Because if you're making something, high, you know, some a piece of high art, and your expectation is that Disney will release it, you're wrong. <laughs> like I'll just tell you right now, the marketplace has already decided for you. You are wrong. <laughs> so yeah. if you know if you're writing a superhero movie or a science fiction movie, and it's based off of the Star Wars universe, I mean. You're, you're, you might be violating some sort of copyright laws, but at least you can get over those hurdles and get something to Disney ultimately, and they might like it. Um, but you, if you produce a piece of high art and your expectation is that one of the majors is going to release it, it's, it's likely a, a, a false scenario. Like you're, 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 <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Um, but if you make a, you know, a budget. If, if in your mind you're writing a script that's this big budget action movie that takes place in Paris, and that you don't want, you have this you know female forward character, and you have this other sidekick, and you know he's kind of a James Bond type, and all, like all that kind of stuff. If you're putting together that screenplay, then you might be able to sell that to a a big studio or a, a, a big reputable releasing entity. Now there's like there is a marketplace for everything. It's just how successful you, will you be in that marketplace? If you make a piece of high art on film or on, you know, on digital, um, there will probably be an audience for that. It may not be that wide unless it turns out really, really good, uh, but you can still get that released. You know, you can still get that seen by an audience. And if it's really good, if it's really good, the audiences will tell you that it's good and you'll, you'll, likely make your second movie but the marketplace always decides yeah 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 that's true <laughs> well um john what would be your last words in the end of the of this podcast your last words for these people young people filmmakers that really want to get into this kind of industry here I, in america okay i always have this thing that i say to people who kind of don't know where they want to go or what they're what they want to do And so I always have this catchphrase that I say, it's called read everything. Or in, in this modern day, it can be watch everything or listen to everything because I know there's books on Audible and, and all those kinds of, there's, there's podcasts like this one where people are literally, you know, there's so much content out there. I, I think it's, uh, I've heard that if you do something 10,000 times, you're kind of considered an expert at it, right? Like watch whatever, <laughs> whatever movies you can, you know, on the big screen or, or even the small screen. You can learn anyway. Um, I prefer the large screen. Um, and, you know, listen to and, and read as much as you can. Follow me on Insta. Follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I have a book out there. It's, uh, you know, like a couple hundred page book that I wrote about how to make it in, in the industry. So please find that on eBay or, or um, um, Amazon. And um, thank you so much for having me.